1: Mr. Dresner, status report?
0: Apologies, the most confounding thing I appear to be singing Most unusual, so peculiar <coughs> Excuse me. Ms. Cox, status report.
1: AMC is at the helm This podcast seat is my realm Fiddling with my gear Volume level steady Recording system ready.
0: So that happened, and it's not happening again for the rest of the podcast, (laughs)
1: listeners. For the rest of my life, Dan. (laughs) I want listeners to know that this was Dan's idea, and I... Guilty. I I pushed back, (laughs) pushed back with... What strength I had. (laughs) But then I decided for you, listeners, for you. Mm -hmm. I did it for you. And I wanted to capture, maybe, Dan, we can say, like, it gives us a little bit of understanding of how hard it is to do something like that.
0: Yes. Yes, which we will be talking about later in the podcast.
1: Welcome to Space the Nation, (laughs) where we look at science fiction through the lens of
0: policy harmonization. Get it, get it, get it, get it.
1: And social attunement, Dan. Damn. Damn. Anything you can do, I can do better. <laughs> I can do anything better than you.
0: <laughs> you lie. You have a lovely singing voice.
1: <laughs> it's weird. I have like spotty musical talent.
0: Like, mm-hmm.
1: it, it, it's some. When I get the tone right honestly like when I can like put it in my range. Yes. Uh, uh, do okay. You're pretty good. It was pretty good. Uh, all right. All right. Anyway, today if you haven't figured it out, we're going to be talking <laughs> about two musical science fiction episodes, Once More With Feeling from Buffy the Vampire Slayer available on Hulu and Subspace Rhapsody from Star Trek Strange New Worlds which is available at Paramount which we will also be discussing. Yep. Stan.
0: In the next few weeks, we'll be talking about Gareth Edwards' new film, The Creator. We will also be talking about, I believe, the oldest sci-fi property we've ever talked about, Mary Shelley's novel Frankenstein.
1: That is for our Canon Fodder series, which we haven't done a bunch of lately, so yeah, cool.
0: seemed appropriate. Fun. We have lots of ideas, but we're always taking suggestions. And if you haven't yet, do please consider becoming a patron. Our Patreon page is patreon.com slash spacethenation. There are lots of Good reasons to become a patron, get early access to podcasts, get access to our monthly AUAs. You get access to theoretical merch, which, you know, much like sci-fi is- It is know.
1: theoretical merch. Yes, You exactly. can have it. Like, it is a theory. Yeah. You can have it mm-hmm. in theory. The like best- the- Yeah. And the best okay, part- I've, I've, I've played out that joke. Yeah. yeah are yeah. you saying? Yeah, okay. a little bit.
0: But the best part about becoming a patron is you get access to our Discord, which is a lovely group of individuals that I believe has just started a fantasy football league, correct, Donna.
1: Well, we started it with the season, which was a couple yeah. of weeks ago. <laughs> yes.
0: Fair enough. Yes, yes.
1: Yes. We have a fancy football league. It is called One League to Rule Them All.
0: It should be called One League with Feeling. <laughs> oh,
1: well, yeah, yeah. we hadn't done that episode yet. I know. Fair enough. And everyone has a science fiction themed team name, which <laughs> I think is pretty fun. I am the Fighting Shoggoths because... <laughs> You know, we did At the Mountains of Madness, everyone should know. That's one of my favorite yeah. sci-fi properties, and I'm a huge HP Lovecraft. Problematic fave, HP Lovecraft. And as of this recording, my team is doing very well. I will tell you, Dan, the first week, mm-hmm. so the app we use gives awards at the end of the week.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Like yeah. Best Manager, you know, right. Best Bench, which is kind of, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a booby prize. Yeah. It also gives Worst Manager.
0: Did you get worst manager? Owner? I got worst. Oh, Anna, I'm sorry. I, I scored feel- the lowest
1: number of points. I had a good bench and a bad set of, t- set of players. So.
0: That's too bad. As a New York Giants fan, I have zero sympathy for you. However, because my first week <laughs> was far less enjoyable at the hands of your Cowboys, but I do, I do feel a little now. Sympathy.
1: Cowboys are another problematic fave for me. They're my family team. Mm-hmm. So. I have a rooting interest in them just because they're my family team, but they have a real sex pest problem. And Jerry Jones is a total asshole. So
0: <sighs> could be worse. It could I be the Browns. I actually
1: kind of, I still kind of root for the Giants, like in my heart. Aww. Cause that's the, that's the first football game I ever went to is actually Aww. a Giants Cowboys game.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: So it was the catch.
0: Oh, the, the Odell Beckham Jr. Game. Oh, wow. Okay. Very impressive.
1: So how could I not fall in love with NFL football? Like, there you go. It was very exciting. Okay, Dan, let's move on. So we're doing science fiction musicals. Why on earth are we doing science fiction musicals?
0: This was a suggestion from the Discord, I believe due to our summer wrap-up episode where we did talk about season two of Strange New Worlds and did mention the musical episode, but someone suggested... Could we focus more on that musical episode and like talk about musical sci-fi? And obviously the other episode that comes to mind is the once More with feeling episode.
1: And I do think you f- had mentioned in the context of talking about strange New Worlds.
0: yes, and I, I do think it's interesting because this is an, it's an interesting point where one genre is clearly borrowing from another genre. And it's a question of what happens when the the two collide. And you know so it it struck me as a appropriate episode to do.
1: I'm trying to think of musicals that borrow from sci-fi. Hmm. And the best I can come up with is Rogers, the musical, which is the Marvel's <laughs> universe, <laughs> which, which
0: musical. is, by the way, has a gr- like, you know, I, I think Disney- catchy tunes,
1: very catchy tunes.
0: Also, I don't know if you know, like Disney actually like there is now a full blown show in Disney World called Rogers, the musical, yeah. they actually wrote the whole thing. It's like a 40 minute thing or something. The only thing with Starlight Express sci fi, I have no idea.
1: I mean, fantastical is easy, right? Yeah, yeah, if you do yeah, fantastical yeah. stuff, then you're like, right, I mean, all the There's all fantasia. Of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. But like specifically like in space kind of things?
0: No, I don't think so. Or superhero
1: as Rogers? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm sure that if we are wrong, the discord will let us know, which they did about Jewish fantasy worlds by right, the way. Right.
0: Which was very helpful. Good. Good which know. I
1: cannot remember any of the names of off the top of my but head. But trust
0: me, that'll be on our list of, to-do list for Hanukkah.
1: Now, on my part, um, musicals are not really my thing. I mean, I enjoy them when I'm exposed to them, I suppose.
0: But it's not like it, your impulse is, oh, I'll watch a musical or I want to see yeah, a musical. or right. like,
1: I'll go see a musical. But I love song mm-hmm. and I love dance. I actually did a fair amount of dance growing up mm-hmm. and I love science fiction. So sometimes, <laughs> you know, three great tastes taste great. Together, like it'd be peanut butter, chocolate, and like I don't know, coconut. I don't know. That's caramel. Gross, actually, caramel. Yes. Yeah. Good. Good. The, good.
0: The thing I will say is, it's worth noting. I mean, obviously, these are musical episodes, but I think it's better to say that they are song and dance episode because I think yeah. one of the things that's that makes all of these episodes, both of these episodes, quite enjoyable is the dancing, and it's not, not surprising. Like it's a visual. Most Musicals
1: medium. have dancing, Dan.
0: I would assume most musicals have dancing. So, I mean. But like we think of we think of musicals okay. as just singing and I just want to point out it's song and dance and I think that's what makes these th- to the extent that they work, particularly the Buffy episode we'll talk about this it, I think they work well because visually we're seeing the dancing
1: Okay and then this seems an odd question in a way for discussing these episodes which are singular if not bottle or standalone yeah but yeah, I will yeah. ask. Will this podcast ruin the episodes? Should you listen to the podcast
0: first? So, on the one hand, it's literally song and you know musicals. Like we can't recreate that. I suspect, that,
1: that's, <laughs> as we showed, as we, as we illustrated quite clearly, we
0: we have strong empirical proof that we cannot replicate. You know the the musical episodes. So you're not going to get the same experience by listening to this that you are in terms of watching the show. I do think with once more with feeling, I had forgotten just how many significant plot developments occur in that episode. That episode is very tied up in what happens in terms of season six of Buffy. So, you know, and and even Subspace Rhapsody, I think, has one significant plot development due to the uh, due to the show. But, you know, alternatively, if you haven't watched Subspace Rhapsody, the soundtrack is available on YouTube. And I'm not going to lie. I've been listening to it every once in a while. I really enjoy it.
1: I find that fascinating because I will say I don't Mm -hmm. usually go to musicals as like my Listening
0: your work meet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I liked Hamilton a ton. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And like everyone, I mean, it really is good. I, I didn't want to like it as much as I did, but Mm -hmm. it's fantastic. Yeah, (laughs) And I listened to that for a little while. And then it was like, I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed these songs as part of a performance, but I'm not sure if I, I don't know. Anyway, that's me. Fair I will enough. say about these episodes, they do stand alone if you're not a fan of the show in general. If mm-hmm. like, if you're just like, I want to see what they're talking about, right? You will. they are intelligible to a first-time viewer.
0: I would also add that particularly with, at least with Subspace Rhapsody...
1: Not exactly bottle. Again, they're not exactly yeah, yeah, bottle yeah. episodes. No, but,
0: definitely not once more with feeling. Yeah. But the other way to put it is that if you're a Trekkie and have not tried Strange New Worlds... This is actually sort of a delightful way to sort of get exposed to the show because it, it is a very trekky kind of episode, would be the way I would put it.
1: Whereas I will say, if you're not already a Buffy fan,
0: I, I would always yeah. talk about
1: this more because I yeah I think that the Buffy episode does not quite stand the test of time.
0: Ooh, we will discuss this. Yes, fair enough. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, speaking of which, previous experience, Dan.
0: So I had, I, we both, I think, watched Subspace Rhapsody very recently, obviously. It just aired originally like two or three months ago. I had, I'd seen Once More with Feeling. I you know, I remember watching that when it was actually being broadcast. I don't think I've watched it in at least a decade or so. But I will say this. I did once meet a member of the Buffy cast. I was, I was in LA to give a talk. They put me up at the Standard Hotel downtown. It was this swanky hotel. And I remember going up to the pool on the top and I'm like just sort of doing some work. And I'm sitting there and there's- At the pool. Yeah, of course, as one does in LA. And there's two people like sitting next to me, you know. and I'm looking and I'm like, why does that guy look familiar? And I realized it was Nicholas Brendan who plays Xander on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I think I might've unnerved him a little bit because he could tell I was looking at him, which I don't know, I would assume in LA, this would be a common thing. But as it turned out, we all went down on, this, you'll appreciate this story. As it turned out, we all went down the elevator at the same time. And I sort of said, look, I'm, I'm a huge Buffy fan. I just wanted to, you know, thank you for your work there. And he's like, oh, that's great. What do you do? And I said, I'm a professor at the University of Chicago, which blew his mind. The idea that like a University of Chicago professor would be into Buffy, he could not process. And he actually shook Part my hand. Me, he actually he shook my hand. me
1: doesn't quite believe that because one thing that the, that, that episode brought back to me yeah. was grad school. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the copious... Buffy scholarship that existed <laughs> around it, which I may or may not have actually, you know, added to myself. I believe I, I my, own actually,
0: a, I believe I own one of the edited volumes about Buffy. Yes.
1: Yeah, definitely not in that. I did write a piece that I was very proud of about, mm-hmm. about Buffy. And it remains, this is kind of weird, but it remains one of my favorite pieces that I've written. Oh nice. Because it talks about oh, well, maybe I should no, I'll go ahead and say it since I started the sentence. Yeah. It talks about the way that Buffy dramatizes the interiority of high school mm-hmm. and how in high school when you're when you an adolescent, it is so important that it's clear cut, right and wrong. Clear cut right and wrong becomes this incredible value to you as a person, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the kids why one of the reasons why kids rebel is because they get disillusioned right. about right and wrong in the world. Yeah. And I think Buffy is obviously it's a metaphor for that and a metaphor for the difficulty in staying on one side or another of mm-hmm. it, you know, yeah. And also the life and death nature actually that has happened that is true of what it's like to be in the world. I mean, school shootings, Columbine had happened.
0: Um, oh they pulled an episode from Buffy. you remember right? There right, right. Era, an episode of Buffy that they oh. pulled because of Columbine. That's right. Yeah, that's
1: right. So school shootings were just beginning to be a thing, Dan. Yeah, I mean, you yes. can say it that way, but they were. And yeah. then also at the time, the Memphis Three, I want to say, the kids that were convicted of murder because they were like heavy metal fans. Oh, God. It got to be like a cause celeb, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and also we were looking at um, how there's a trend in underage people being tried as adults.
0: Right. This is part of the else- getting tough on crime thing that was happening in the 1990s. Right. And yeah.
1: the prom mom had happened, the woman that had a baby at prom night and disposed of it.
0: Ah, oh, God. Yes.
1: Do you remember that?
0: I'm um, just like. And she yeah. was
1: tried for murder. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like, like I'm saying, so I just brought all of that together. And I guess I'm bragging myself. I felt like it was just a really good way of showing, like, how real this feels for people, Mm. like how real Buffy can feel for people.
0: Very true. No, there's a lot. Moving on.
1: Yep. Yep. (laughs) Well, that's my previous experience with Buffy. Actually, that is a very good example of my previous experience with Buffy was watching it as a relatively young person and going through a a period of my own. I think late, you know, early 20s is also a time when you really want to figure out what right and wrong is. Mm
0: hmm. No, the thing I was talking about all that, what I always remember is actually, this was the line in the episode that they wound up pulling, but they eventually broadcast is where there's someone who's one of the, the high school kids is thinking of killing himself and or killing other people. And Buffy says, you know, you you think everyone's mocking your pain. No one cares because everyone's too busy wrapped up in their own pain. And it's yeah. it's one of the truest lines about high school young adulthood that I've I think I've ever heard so
1: it's a great line. That's one of the things that made Buffy so resonant too yeah. is the Scooby gang, right? Like yep. to have a group of friends like that.
0: Mhm.
1: Is really powerful. Strange New worlds we have talked about it before. We yeah. both are huge fans. We both liked mm-hmm. the musical episode. That's it. The end. There. Okay.
0: Let's get to the story behind the story. Anna, are you taking a deep breath? Oh. Yeah. Okay. The floor is yours. <laughs> Go for it.
1: Oh, okay. Mm. Ah, so as <laughs> you pointed out, there are literal books, multiple books about Buffy, mm-hmm. like both from a academic angle, from a pop culture angle, I guess not just both from like whatever angle you can think of. Mm. There is a book about Buffy. The Wikipedia entry for both Buffy and this particular episode are quite long, <laughs> quite, quite long. <laughs> yeah. And some of the stuff that's in it will come up in a later section. Mm hmm spoiler alert Mm -hmm. the first thing we should probably note is that joss whedon is kind of a dick yes you wanted to maybe start a segment like what was it like passport to cancelvania
0: what did i call (laughs) it hold on no i need to i I need to remember the exact phrase because i like maybe because it was
1: really clever
0: (laughs) <laughs> ticket to Cancelvania
1: yeah T- uh, ticket to Cancelvania no, no, no. so he's definitely had his ticket to Cancelvania oh
0: no who's in Cancelvania and why that was the I th-
1: like ticket to I Cancelvania think
0: that, like, is, I think it's better actually That's yeah good. we should That's do good. that yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: so he's not exactly a sex pest
0: mm-hmm.
1: can say that but he apparently was an extremely unpleasant person to work with for everyone mm-hmm. and his attitudes towards women and young women in particular <laughs> apparently not great and yeah. he was Again, not exactly a sex pest, but I don't know how to put it. Like it was the, inappropriate and pleasant.
0: The vibe one gets like reading the, it's like he was just a domineering bully and the women felt that even more, far more than the men. Would that be a, a safe way of putting it? Yeah,
1: that's, that's a good way to put it. And, yeah. and most of the cast has validated this. Yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar has come out and said, I don't even want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And she said that I, I'm proud to be associated with Buffy, but not Jazz Whedon.
0: <laughs>
1: <Jeez>. Wow. <laughs> Says it all. Yeah. His abuse of power is actually kind of important for this episode because he willed it into being. Right. Like he made this happen because he wanted to make it happen. He wanted to do it since the be- very beginning of the show. And then it required a amount of work that uh, just really put his actors through a lot. Put himself, I will say, he seemed to have put himself through a lot as right. well. Mm-hmm. He taught himself to play guitar. He had never written music before.
0: I don't think he you even know. knew how to write musical notes. I think he like, no. yeah, like, I mean, he just yeah. sort of, yeah. yeah.
1: So this, in on one on one hand, like it's impressive, right? Mm -hmm. Like he put so much into this. Yeah. On the other hand, he expected everyone else Mm -hmm. to put in the same kind of effort and not even kind of distribute it in a way that made sense. Like it was a lot of really long days and nights. He the cast was required to learn skills. They barely knew, right? They had to bring in other people. There were lots of, you know, reshoots and complicated camera angles. And, it sounds like it should have been unpleasant to do. I will say that most of the cast seems to be proud of their work, very proud of mm-hmm. their work on it. The cast is very close, it seems like. When I look at interviews, they seem to really like each other. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of like growing up and like being in an unpleasant environment and like having to forge incredibly close bonds, yeah. trauma bonds, maybe, who knows? Yeah. You know, they had a couple of ringers. Well, not ringers exactly. They had two people experienced in singing. Dan, mm-hmm. do you know who those two people were? Can you guess from their performances?
0: Oh, well, I, I mean, Anthony Stewart Head is one, I would guess. Which, by the way, it's weird because he doesn't actually sing much in the episode, which is... Mm-hmm. I've, I felt he was criminally underused. I will guess Amber Benson is the other one?
1: No. Oh. James Marston.
0: Oh. Marston. Okay. Marsters. He was James in Marston. a
1: band. Yeah. Okay. Band. So rock singing, which he does a rock song. And then of course, they had a ringer, Hinton Battle. Yes, who uh, plays
0: the demon in the um, uh, suite, I think is his name. Yeah,
1: Michelle uh did study ballet, and she does a ballet. So that's a little bit of a, a mm-hmm. ringer situation. But most of the cast had to learn both song and dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And,
0: and part particularly Sarah that. Michelle Geller, because, I mean, she's, she's-
1: He asked a lot of her. Yes. And reading, you know, cast stuff about- that she sounds like she was uh, played an incredibly strong role in protecting the cast. Hmm. She was pretty strong willed about, I read some things like when it got to be like a 15, 16 hour day, she's the one who would be like,
0: we're shutting it down.
1: You said we could, you said we could only do 15 hours. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said only 15 hours and it's gotten to be 16. So yeah, maybe you yeah. should let us go home. And he, yeah, this episode, I mean, the entire series revolves around her, but this episode, incredibly yeah. costly to her, is also a highly emotional episode. Right? Obviously, mm-hmm. it is considered by some to be one of the best episodes of television ever produced.
0: I would. I, it's extremely good. I and I, I have to say, it, I mean, I, let's
1: put it top fifty, maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I would actually argue that the best Buffy episode is Hush. That is always the one that I will like think is just perfection.
1: Yes, certain irony.
0: Yeah there mm-hmm. and the
1: the one where they sing and the one they don't speak. I also like Hush. Yeah. I kind of checked out on Buffy after they decided to stick around Sunnydale, to be honest. Uh, like it was it, when they graduated and then there was like the And kind then of,
0: well, How error, do we get yeah.
1: them how do we get them to stay in Sunnydale?
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: I get annoyed at shows that kind of engineer their own survival.
0: No, no, I understand that. Yeah.
1: So yeah, as for Subspace Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Dan, there's two stories here. Sorry. I that's okay. You <laughs> have to keep going. I get to keep talking. <laughs> it was inspired by, once more with feeling, mm-hmm. Akiva Goldsmith and Henry Alonso said they first contemplated a musical for Picard. Hmm. And that hmm. is because they were chatting about it on set and Michael Chavon said he knew Lin-Man- Lin-Manuel Miranda. Huh. And they were like, oh, well, uh, you know. We're going to do a musical. And then he never called back. So that didn't happen.
0: <laughs> there's a whole separate episode I want to do. He it. didn't
1: know Lynn manuel Miranda that well. Yeah, there's a whole
0: <laughs> separate episode I think I want to do about Michael Chabon's role in Picard. Because its I have so many questions about that. It's very confusing no, to me. Or just him. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah.
1: sort of a, a, an odd duck.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: There is singing in a previous episode, Children of the Comet. Mm-hmm and they did build it around the vocal abilities of the cast. It has an unusual number of people who can sing.
0: Yeah, I, the gentle way to put this is, is that I once more I, rewatching once more with feeling, I think it holds up really well, but watching once more with feeling and then Subspace Rhapsody, you realize very quickly that Subspace Rhapsody, the, the cast of Strange New Worlds is a stacked deck when it comes to singing. In in yeah, a way that, it, that the Buffy cast was not.
1: Right. Celia Rose Gooding, Rebecca mm-hmm. Rom- Romaine, Romaine. I should Romaine. famous for se- Romaine. Is that how you say it? Yeah, it how is you how you it. say it. <laughs> I always not. It's like the salad, but not spelled like the salad. Yes. Christina Chong. and then Ethan Pack, who plays Spock, turned out to be a really fantastic singer as well. Mm-hmm. Although apparently not a ton of experience, or wasn't known to have experience. The guy from Letters to Cleo wrote a lot of the music, which I find
0: kind okay. of amusing.
1: Sure. Thematically, the songs were built around character arcs and had been plotted out. They knew this was coming and they planned the way that it would work.
0: My understanding is that I think Christina Chung, in particular kept lobbying for a musical episode. So this is also, again, another difference with the Buffy cast, whereas in this one, I think the actors were a little more willing and able to do it, even though my understanding is they put in long hours for this as well.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. They Putting on a musical. Yeah. <laughs> When you, when one says let's put on a show, <laughs> one is asking for a lot. Yep. You know, much more labor than is you see in actual musicals when they talk about doing a musical. Mm-hmm. It is not as ambitious as Once More With Feeling. That is clear. Mm-hmm. One could say that's in my ambitious, I mean, yeah, I mean Once More With Feeling is sprawling. Yeah. Right? It's almost operatic mm-hmm. in terms of very, especially Buffy's Arc I
0: think there are also She goes through. I could be wrong. I think there are far more musical numbers in the Once More With Feeling than there is in Subspace. Yeah, Rhapsody. and they're
1: in yeah. their much more they draw a lot out of the characters. Right. Yeah, yeah, Because they're so important to the plot. We'll get to
0: that in this a bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: It it has rather mixed reviews. In terms of an episode, most people like it sort of mixed to positive mm-hmm. probably not going to go down as one of the best episodes of television ever no
0: no no but it's it, like it, this way it they took a swing and I think they they did not miss maybe you can argue about how far they hit the ball but they didn't miss
1: right I mean so the buffy swing was like we're gonna hit it over the fence and then they did
0: yeah yeah
1: and then this was more like far outfield like. Right you know, like maybe into the a double or maybe
0: an ex- like a ground rule double. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. that would be the way to think. Yeah. About there it. you go. Yeah.
1: And I, I think we can both say again, they are both from our opinion. Very good. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. I think I like strange new worlds better, but that's probably cause my opinion is colored by what?
0: By the Whedon thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And knowing how much work they put into it, you can see it, but maybe you shouldn't be able I to I
0: think the way I would put it is that I think once more with feeling is obviously more ambitious. And in many ways, more impressive. I, I And as much as I, you know. I'll agree with that. But the thing is, is that the technical stuff on Strange New Worlds, particularly the singing and the dancing for that matter, is better. There's just no other way to put it. I mean.
1: And there's sort of a peak TV versus UPN problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always important to remember I though remember that UPN. Is, yes. <laughs> I
1: think that's what it was airing It was on UPN at then.
0: that point. But it's important to remember Buffy is part of peak TV as far as I am concerned. So like. is
1: a precursor. Yeah. To peak yeah. TV, I would say it'd be interesting to see what Buffy would do, wh- what it would be like now. That I'm is sort an interesting of glad. Question. I'm kind of glad that it exists where it exists. Yeah,
0: which we will talk about in a second. Okay. Okay. We have to get to Chekhov's. What's it? This is the thing that appears often in the first uh, libretto of a production. It <laughs> might wind up having some relevance in the last aria. Anna, what do you have?
1: I have like the locket. Ah, okay. For once more with feeling, yeah, yeah, like, I yeah, guess. Yeah. And then I have no idea for Strange New Worlds. Like so I'm literally like
0: the answer I'm going to give is Chekhov's bunny hatred because this Ooh, actually okay, is that, the thing. I, yes, this is the thing that that or
1: Buffy. Right. Well, no,
0: for both <laughs> because this is the thing that connects the two episodes because Anya talks about her hatred of bunnies. But if you remember, in like the first post singing scene in Strange New Worlds, Laan talks about. Are we going to turn into a different dimension where we all turn into bunnies or something? Do you a, think that's intentional? It was absolutely intentional. I am absolutely convinced oh, wow. that was an explicit. That, reference is, to an, Once More with Feeling.
1: that is an Easter egg.
0: Dang. Yes, I, it is an Easter egg. But in this case, can, yeah. Yeah. Get it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Anna. It's my turn Are we to talk to talk now. about the
1: actual plots now? Okay. Let's
0: talk about the plots. Let's start with Once More With Feeling. Act one. Anyone else breaking into song? Previously on Buffy, the Scooby gang had brought Buffy back from the dead, except that she was in heaven and is more than a little bummed to be back on Earth. The only person she's told about this is Spike, who carries a torch for her. Willow's use of magic is getting a bit out of control, and she cast an amnesia spell on her partner Tara to end an argument about that very topic. (laughs) Xander and Adi are engaged.
1: As someone who's been in more relationships since (laughs) yeah. Since I first
0: watched
1: this. Yeah. That, <laughs> so handy, so handy. Yeah, I got it.
0: <laughs> also, Dawn is stealing shit from the magic shop. While on patrol, Buffy and the vampires mysteriously break out into song and dance, explaining in harmony that she's just going through the motions. The next morning at the magic box, we learn that everyone in Sunnydale is singing and dancing. This leads to a number in which Buffy and her friends sing about how they'll do the work and figure it out. Successive numbers hint at trouble beneath the surface, however. Tara sings about being under Willow's spell. Xander and Anya sing about their pre-wedding jitters. Spike tells Buffy to let him rest in peace. More worryingly, the song and dance routines are having some scary effects, including some people tap dancing their way into self-immolation. Anna, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that the first time watching this show, the, the very brief number, they got the mustard out might be one of the five funniest lines in the history of television. You know, I, I'd still laughed this time, but I'd forgotten how, how much other good stuff there is in this show, including in that opening number, Anya's anti-bunny riff, which is just hysterical and surprising because she says the thing about bunnies. Then you think they're going somewhere else and they go right back to the bunny thing, which is just hysterical. Emma Caulfield was an underrated element of this cast, uh, but she really shines in this episode and, and extremely well done.
1: I think the money thing made me laugh more in part because <laughs> in looking at it today, it's clearly like a grunge number. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Which, Which makes it obviously. It, yes.
1: It makes it even funnier. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mustard one is great. In the stuff I read, they said they intentionally put that very early so they could get sort of the traditional musical style right. out of the way. Mm hmm. So, yeah, here's our big t- song and dance number. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to point out now this is the horniest episode of a very horny.
0: <laughs> is this, are you explicitly referencing the under your spell number, which is just.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah but also Spike's number.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, which is a little more about emotions, but has some.
0: Also. Has some please touch sure. me. Sure. <laughs> Fair enough. Also, I'm gonna bring up again Emma Caulfield's outfit during the sort of Doris Day number that she has with oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, never yeah, tell. Yeah. She uh, she she looks good. And she in says
1: some she says Yeah, no, that's pretty horny too. Yep. They have they have a bit of an exchange about like their sex life. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Pretty, yeah. By the so, way, oh, and by the way the
1: under your spell one is like Oh damn. I can't believe they aired it. Yes. Like part of me is like
0: ooh. Let me put it this way. Whatever Bad stuff Joss Whedon did. The fact that he got that number on television is not an insignificant accomplishment. And yeah. also, by the way, I did laugh out loud at the smash cut to like Tara singing "Make Me Complete" to like they they cut to everyone in the magic box saying, "You know what they're doing, right?" or something like that. And yeah, 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 yeah. It was really good. For
1: people who don't know, that's a lesbian relationship, and mm-hmm. it is the. It, I don't even want to say like subtext. I mean, no. It's- <laughs> It's. It is. If you were, if you really were an ignorant person, you could watch the number and not see it. If you really like had no idea, right? If you were like six, Mm -hmm. like if you were like a young,
0: if you were eight or younger, can totally watch that. Wouldn't have occurred to them, but yeah, yeah. Otherwise, if you
1: know know what sex is, you will.
0: Speaking of which, I did love this. There's a little scene right before they start singing where they're walking somewhere and like Willow points out to Tara that some boys were checking her out. Oh, yeah. And I loved how she said, I'm cured. I like boys now. It starts right. Like it was just it was a it was a very funny little moment.
1: Although that also when she, because she next does I'm under your spell. Part of me is like, hmm, you know, yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But that's the way they talked about. I mean, that's some ways sometimes people still talk about him. Right, exactly. So it, it
0: was a nice mocking thing, I thought, which was good. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get to act two. I guess they kind of won. Dawn tips Tara off to Willow's amnesia spell, and Giles realizes that Buffy is leaning on him too much. They sing about having to let the ones they love go. Meanwhile, Dawn is kidnapped by minions of the demon known as Sweet, who believes that Dawn has conjured him with the amulet she stole from the magic shop. Sweet thinks he's going to make Dawn his bride. One of Sweet's minions tells... Speaking of
1: like stuff that in retrospect having a 15-year-old be the possible bride I don't know would fly today.
0: I, guess, I mean I know I mean, it's kind I mean, of
1: fairy tale. Yeah, this is a fairy tale, tale thing. It's like
0: that um, I I mean it this me way I actually think that it works in the context of the episode because it makes it it jacks up the peril for lack of a better way of putting yeah, it. But true. but I yeah okay. Anyway, one of Sweet's minions tells everyone at the magic box that Sweet has Dawn at the bronze Giles says Buffy has to face her demon all on her own. She leaves, but then Giles has a change of heart, and everyone goes to the bronze (laughs) to provide backup. At the bronze, Buffy offers herself up in Dawn's stead. Sweet asks why she would do this, and in the ensuing number, Buffy reveals to everyone that she had been in heaven and is suffering on earth. Just as it seems as though she's going to burn herself up dancing, Spike stops her, singing that the only way to get through pain is to go on living. Xander admits that he was the one to conjure up Sweet to see if the singing and dancing revealed anything about his upcoming nuptials. Sweet releases Dawn, <laughs> which is just- <laughs> That so-
1: is such a weird head fake. I, is that in the previous episode?
0: No, no, that wasn't. He just- Yeah, he just because like out. I'm
1: that just seems stupid to me. I don't like the ending of this. I will yeah, yeah, say, yeah. I do not like the ending.
0: Oh, well, okay, we'll last. Sweet releases Dawn and departs. Spike leaves during the finale. Buffy follows him and they kiss. Okay, so- Stepping back on it, this episode impressed me in a number of ways. First, in contrast to Subspace Rhapsody, this isn't really a one-off. This is The plot developments in this episode yep. are integral to the entire sixth season of the show. Just well done there. Second, again, I know that Whedon, this is a DIY thing by him, but the music and the lyrics are really quite good. And I like the, the sort of count, point-counterpoint when Tara and Giles are singing, and then they start singing in harmony as they both realize the sort of same lesson they're dealing with with in terms of dealing with willow and and buffy but damn i forgot how meta whedon is and it comes through across this musical he puts it to good use you know i think uh willow at one point has a line that says i think this line's mostly filler which did make me crack up and also i did love it when one of sweet's minions comes to the magic box and is about to tell people and like you hear this groundswell of music and you think he's going to sing it and then he just says it I also love Giles telling Anya and Tara that Buffy needed backup in the big scene, which means they go and and sing and dance. What say you about all this?
1: I had forgotten how exhausting Meta can be.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know, I I quit grad school for a reason.
0: (laughs) And I stayed in it, so fair enough. Yeah, Yeah, I know.
1: I I did, I used to, to me, that used to be like Easter egg season, mm-hmm. right? Like to find all the meta stuff and to see it and like, you know, text commentary on text. Yeah. I, I think that stuff can be good and it's real and it's necessary in a way like to have self awareness in cultural products. Mm-hmm. It just is a kind of, we it starts to feel like a tick.
0: Oh, it's definitely one of his tropes. I mean- like, And yeah, it's yeah. kind of
1: just, it starts to feel kind of twee to me <laughs> and not-
0: Listeners- Not Anna,
1: Anna, twee and not treat.
0: Yes. Anna texted the word twee to me multiple times while she was watching this. While Tweet. she was yes, is twee?
1: I also just like the word twee.
0: is a great word. Yes, yes.
1: It is a great word. And this is sort of funny. I thought I had during the episode was I wanted more of Giles and then I'm like, oh, right. I'm old now.
0: I did love. By the way, after I watched this episode, I went to YouTube to find the clip where. Do you remember where? Like, I can't even remember what season it was, but like, the Scoobies need to find Giles, and it turns out that he's at the Bronze singing, and like Willow and Tara and Anya are all looking at him, and Willow, like you know, Willow and Tara are together at this point, but but she says, "Oh yeah, this is why I had a crush on him," like, because like oh. he's singing behind blue eyes and he's killing the song. I mean, just absolutely slaying the song. He's a great singer. And so, yeah. And
1: I am fun. glad he's gotten, you know, his acting career has gone on. He's yeah. great in Ted Lasso. He was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Entirely different character. It's funny though. I also, so I don't like the ending. I think yeah. I don't like the ending for a couple of reasons. One is that the head fake of, we're not going to help you. We're going to help you. Mm-hmm. The, we're not going to help you. I realize has been set up by him singing. or realizing. and yeah. Expressing in song mm-hmm. that Buffy needs to stand on her own more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to me, it seems so clear that in the context of, like, the show and
0: mm-hmm.
1: their lives, that is emotional, right? Like, that is her emotional life and her, mm-hmm. like, responsibilities as a person. She needs to stand more on her own. Mm-hmm. They're the fucking Scooby gang. Yeah. Like.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's never been part of the equation that she, like, do slaying all on her own
0: by the way this is also the one other like i don't know if continuity is quite the right word for it but the the trick part about when giles and terror are singing is you kept wondering were willow and Buffy listening because like the whole point of this is that if you sing you know like other people will hear what you're saying and yet and that's a particular moment where like conveniently no one is hearing them and that was a little odd yeah
1: they There's apparently, it's supposed to be explicit that he's not singing to her because when they do that number, she's in slow motion and he's in regular Yeah, I guess. But like they're
0: in the same room. It's just, you know. Yeah. It's not a huge deal, but like, you know, it's just, it's the thing.
1: Yeah, and also, what, whatever. Like, I will give some grace on the Spike kiss and her reaction to it. That happens when you're emotionally mixed up.
0: Yeah, and I mean the other thing is, I remember that season, there was a huge, like fans were very deeply split on the whole Buffy-Spike thing. And I will say, this was what was interesting to me. Watching, I remember I was not crazy about that turn in her character for a variety of reasons, watching it. But I will say, watching this episode again, standalone, I had forgotten that it was Spike who tells her that you just have to go on living, that it's actually Spike yeah. of all of them who's the one who can actually get through to her. And in that sense, the kiss was a little more earned, I guess would be the way to put it.
1: I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that he felt for her that was surprising. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know. I, I eh, okay. it just, it doesn't quite work for me for, for whatever reason. Although I wasn't one of the people that hated it because mm-hmm. it, in part, is just a fucking TV show.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's limits. Speaking of TV shows, let's move on to Subspace Rhapsody. Yeah. Act 3, The Most Confounding Thing. Previously on Strange New Worlds, Spock and Chapel's relationship had hit a rough patch. Chapel is applying for fellowships, and Laan has feelings for Kirk. The Enterprise is investigating an anomalous subspace fold that Uhura thinks can be used to speed up interstellar communications. Normal comms don't seem to have an effect, so they try music, sending the Great American Songbook through it. That most definitely has an effect.
1: Amazing, by the way. Yes. Like the Ella Fitzgerald. Great oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Great yeah. And songbook. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if, is that the one they, like there are multiple I think they do. I think it's are... Ella
0: Fitzgerald that they sent through. Oh. Yeah, it was great. No, no, no. Like, yeah, it was good. Yeah,
1: fantastic album.
0: Anyway, that most definitely has an effect as the Enterprise crew breaks into song along with a visiting Lieutenant Kirk. Spock hypothesizes that the fold has created a quantum improbability field in which folks sing and dance. After a few musical interludes, La'an warns Pike that the musical world represents a security threat because the crew will blurt out their feelings through song. Uhura confirms that the field is following the internal structure of musicals, which means people sing when overwhelmed with emotion. Pike doesn't seem terribly concerned about this until he has a singing argument with his girlfriend Captain Patel, in front of the crew during which he blurts out some hidden feelings. Conventional efforts to close the improbability field backfire, expanding its domain to include other Starfleet vessels. It also affects the Klingons who warn that they're coming to blow up the subspace fold. Spock warns that such an attempt will only expand the power of the improbability field. On, um, as I said before, you know, watching this right after Once More with Feeling, it seems clear that the Strange New World crew, has way better singing chops. Even that opening number, what's nice is sort of hearing them harmonize at the very end. It's really a, a mm-hmm. thing. But Christina Chung and Celia Rose Gooding in particular, holy crap. Just incredibly well done. But like even folks like Paul Wesley as Kirk, who I wouldn't have thought would have been good, they're br- they're all bringing their A game. And I did like the way the first number ended.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, we sort of talked about this. Yeah. The much better singing. I think better songs?
0: I, see, this is where I disagree. I actually think Once More with Feeling had better, like, I think the music and, and lyrics were probably better. But I think the singing is just much better on, on Strange New Worlds.
1: I like that the reason to stop singing here is about expressing your feelings. Yeah. The burst into flames thing is a good reason to stop singing.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: But it's not integrated into the plot.
0: No, it really isn't. No. And this
1: is actually, this is integrate into the plot. Like I'm not sure how you'd integrate it into the plot for Buffy, but yeah. I mean that's their job. That yeah. that's that's just Whedon's job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Also it's a genre thing that like, needed magic for Buffy and this this is not magic.
0: No, but I let put this way this is not a magical realm. The way I would put it is, is that I will give Star Trek props for making this conform as much as possible to a Trek universe, which you know was not easy and like <laughs> but but they did it. All right let's get to act four algorithmic and logarithmic balance. Uhura and Spock decide that they need to collect more data, which means triggering more musical numbers. They run into chapel in the bar, and she confesses through song that she's taking a prestigious fellowship, even if it means dumping Spock. The Vulcan takes it better than 99% of humans, but is still pretty bummed out. Without aid of a sea shanty, La'an confesses her feelings to Kirk, who gently rebuffs her because he's horny as fuck and (laughs) has already impregnated Carol Marcus and is therefore with her. By the way, I did want to say... I like that this was not a song. Like the whole point is that Lon needs to tell him before she starts singing it. And like, this is the one dramatic scene in the, the episode. And I thought they both handled it extremely well in the middle of it. Imi- the
1: Carol reference has like start, like all the oh yeah Reddit boards and whatnot, lots of discussion. It's a, <laughs> you know, there is a Carol, I guess. Oh, there, we have talked about this. I am not for not, for, Neither Star Trek nor Star Wars, considering how much they mean to me, am I like a completist. So
0: But you've I'd seen Wrath of Khan, surely, right?
1: Oh, oh yes. Okay. Yeah. That's
0: Carol yes, Marcus. I have.
1: That is Carol Marcus. Yeah, 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 yeah. And
0: in the the reboots, uh, Alice Eve played her, I think, in a completely forgettable movie. Anyway, in the middle of an amazing solo number, Uhura figures out a pattern and recommends a grand finale number to generate enough of a spike in the quantum improbability energy that it would end the field. The resulting grand finale lives up to the billing, with the crew singing about the need for unity with a K-pop cameo from the Klingons. The improbability field is destroyed, and most of the crew feels better about confronting some of the issues that they have been dealing with throughout the season. Anna, we talked about this in our summer wrap-up, but I do think this episode actually is sort of a nice exemplar of the fine job that both Pike and Una, not to mention the actors Anson Mount and Rebecca Romaine, demonstrating how they are effective. Readers. Like the salad. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> how they are effective leaders Una shepherds La'an through her need to take more risks which allows her to you know, talk to Kirk and Pike lets Uhura know her invaluable role in the Enterprise when he tells her you see the connections between us when all we see is the empty spaces
1: it's a, a lovely line yeah it
0: is it's I really will
1: lovely. say that another thing that this episode dramatizes is that the empty spaces are important too
0: mm-hmm.
1: like boundaries are important too
0: yes yes that's fair Absolutely. That's yeah. a good point. I mean, yeah,
1: and I think that that's in the show. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's not referenced specifically, but even in, in life, the mm-hmm. connections and the empty spaces
0: yeah.
1: are both important. No, in
0: some ways, actually, what's interesting is Uhura's number, the, her solo number, which again, Celia Rose Gooding just sings the hell out of it. But like, if you listen to the lyrics, it ends with her saying, I'm at my best when I'm solo, which is an interesting sentiment that is not often expressed on television is the way I would put it.
1: Yeah, I loved the Klingons being a part of it and <laughs> that that, that making them really mad. Yeah, 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 yeah. That they were singing. yes. That actually, it totally tracks. Like, I remember when they came up, I'm like, oh my God, they must hate this. Yes. This, this is going to be like, I did kind of want to see, did they, did they reference Vulcan singing probably? And I'm just blanking on it. I didn't rewatch it. No, I just kind of no, no.
0: They me. didn't reference. I mean, I mean, Spock sings obviously, but they didn't. Yeah. But it would be than. interesting
1: to have like a Vulcan ship be like. Oh,
0: no, no. They, the only, you only, the yeah, only we other. We hate people. this too. Yeah.
1: was yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not good for us.
0: Fun fact, by the way, the actor who plays the lead Klingon in that little scene. I know this, yes. Played in the first season of strange yep. but you're right like there's a brief moment where he's like he's trying to talk he realizes he can't do it and like it's you could tell like he's so furious that he's gonna have to sing this and it's just it's a, it's 30 seconds of just high comedy it's extremely well done
1: all right well you know dan we've discussed uh, the two shows but dan. i have remaining questions oh
0: well okay please ask away
1: Are there IR in them? Is there IR in them? There's music, there's song, there's dance, (laughs) there's ups, there's downs, there's comedy, there's drama.
0: Anna, some of us need fun to deal with the constant threat of dying. And my definition of fun is finding the pattern of IR in these musical episodes. And guess what? There is one. And it's about what you said before, the, the empty spaces. It's about whether full transparency is always a good thing in world politics. A common theme running through both of these episodes, a little more strongly in, in Sub-States Rhapsody, but they bring it up in Once More With Feeling as well, is the notion that musicals cause their protagonists to reveal their true feelings to each other. And in today's culture, we usually think that such candor is great, while more ambiguous signals are bad. Many IR scholars feel similarly, but there can be benefits on occasion from strategic ambiguity and from not knowing everything. It can allow states to potentially enlarge their influence through the possibility of responses, even if the actor knows that it is bluffing. And also there are instances in which when actors reveal their two preferences and it turns out that they have are diametrically opposed, that they essentially are in a zero-sum game, that increases the likelihood of conflict rather than reducing it. And indeed... As you mentioned, the Klingon cameo is really funny. But if you actually listen to the lyrics, I mean, the lyrics are violent. You know, they sing, one of these days will repay you, will slay you. Your eternal torture is everything I dream. I mean, that's pretty blunt. And now you know where the Klingons stand, you know, vis-a-vis the Federation. That can actually lead to dangerous conflict. So I will say that La'an was correct to say that, you know, the musical you know, universe is a security threat. There are times where... You actually don't necessarily want to voice every thought, every you know preference that you have because sometimes those preferences will actually lead to violent conflict.
1: Dan, I know that IR encompasses like individual personality mm-hmm. issues., sure. but I will say that the thing that I thought about, yes, do tell. in terms of poli-sci mm-hmm. and this these musicals is, what would happen if individual states' people revealed what they were really thinking about?
0: Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, you mean the like, the, the loss of intelligence, or the the idea that it would just no? Like, I Kinsley mean, like gaff. I hate
1: this. I'm, oh, yes. I'm, I'm oh, tired. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like I have a crush on my Secret Service person, <laughs> or
0: like just like, Joe Biden would just sing Johnny Cash's version of Hurt.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, like, Kamala Harris is like, I don't want to be here anymore. (laughs) This is terrible.
0: That, yes, certainly a possibility. (laughs) I mean, let's put it this way. There's a reason why- I mean,
1: the thing is, with Trump, he didn't need a musical. Like, he was just always saying exactly what was on his mind. Actually,
0: so, (laughs) this reminds me of the Buffy episode where, if you remember, like, Buffy suddenly develops the ability to read everyone's mind and it winds up slowly driving her insane. But one of the great, like, things in that episode is that Cordelia- is the one where she thinks it and then she says it. All the rest of them have different thoughts Mm -hmm. as opposed to what they say. But Cordelia is the one who's just like blunt.
1: It's so funny. Like you're thinking like, oh, they reveal state secrets. And I'm like, no, they'll reveal they have a crush on somebody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is also an issue. There's there, you know, that's a fair point.
1: This makes me think, Dan, Mm -hmm. there really should have been a musical episode of the West Wing.
0: Oh, God, Anna, that's. Because
1: one of the things that everyone who works in politics or journalism hated about that show, yes. although I shouldn't say hated, because everyone in the Obama administration, like all those like millennials and shit, they watched watched. or they, were- they loved that show. <laughs> of course they did, now that I think about it. Yeah. That was also very like, oh, the part on my sleeve, mm-hmm. you know, administration. Although Obama- No, it's know. not
0: Obama, to be fair, but yeah.
1: But that show in general, everyone was just like blurting shit out right. about what they really
0: feel. Yeah. Yeah,
1: You know, and it's surprising to me they didn't have a musical. It, I, let me put it this
0: way. There are many things I want to see in life. I'm not sure an Aaron Sorkin musical is one of them.
1: Oh, no. No, um, it just surprises me. Also because he is a little like Joss Whedon. Well,
0: also the other thing is to bear in mind, in ways, I will say this. his
1: leadership style.
0: Thinking of the West Wing, if memory serves, Aaron Sorkin has a thing for Gilbert and Sullivan, and that like was a motif that recurred throughout that. Yeah, show. that's true. They keep talking about Gilbert and Sullivan. Don't
1: don't don't. Let's not. I'm sorry, Aaron Sorkin probably doesn't listen to the show. Thank God. Don't want to give him any ideas. <laughs> All right, so let's let's, move on. Dan, let's
0: move on. you know what. That's good because you know we've answered the question about IR. But but Anna, I have a question for you. Oh, what is it, Dan? Is there a critique of capitalism in these musical episodes?
1: You know, Dan. The idea that breaking into song is bad because you might dance yourself to death. Dancing is the capitalism, Dan.
0: Whoa! Oh.
1: Dancing is the uncompensated labor.
0: (laughs) Go on, please. Yes.
1: So- I actually want to talk about this somewhat seriously. I, mm-hmm. I will say that I think it's a somewhat traditional read by some people that musicals are escapist, right? You know, and, and they're escapist from the realities of capitalism. Mm-hmm. However, as we've discussed, there's the reality of putting on a musical, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: and especially with once more with feeling, having talked about Joss Whedon being the kind of terrible leader that he was imperious as it were yeah imperious yeah thank you mm-hmm. yes and it particularly exploitative of women which is you know something capitalism does yeah i think it in some ways like l- we don't talk maybe enough about the actual like labor conditions of the things that mm-hmm. we watch and consume right and this is a particularly good time
0: to discuss them yes cuz i you know among other things hopefully maybe by the time this Episode comes out, the strike will be resolved, or one of them will be. But they're they're striking. Let's put it that way. As we are recording, they're striking.
1: This. And Paramount is one of the studios that's been hit. Well, I see. The thing is, they haven't been hit hard. What has happened with Paramount is that every Star Trek property, of course, is now delayed. Right, of course, because they're all Paramount. Yeah. Strange and Worlds was supposed to start the day after the strike <sighs> was announced. Mm-hmm. Paramount seems to be, I mean, they're all of the CEOs are being dicks, but the Paramount CEO in particular, I mean, we don't know who said we're going to starve them out of their houses.
0: Oh, he didn't uh, say that, did he? Jesus. No, we don't know who oh, that okay, was. Okay. That was
1: an off the record. Yeah. But what he has said in public several times is that we have a large library. <laughs> we can go on for a long time. <sighs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> We're in no hurry and basically what he has said over and over is we are in no hurry to negotiate you know let him strike
0: I will say that based on what I've read at least the impression I have though is that the studios radically underestimated the union's resolve on this and also their own their own and ability it, to hold out so
1: I, I, I think so yeah. and also the public support
0: yeah, yeah 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 yeah
1: Speaking of which Dan
0: yes yes Anna
1: there was a trek day. On the wga picket lines and Aww. i sent you the article that has all the instagram posts i will have about to look it. at this okay yes it's very cute the entire crew is involved mm-hmm. like the writers the producers the directors oh, the cast there are trek themed signs mm-hmm. the best one being first contract
0: <laughs> that's good i like that that's well yeah, and there's a
1: lot of make it so yeah 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 yeah, jokes. yeah 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 also, and every every Trek property is represented. Oh, good. You know. And I will point out that Anthony Rapp, who is on Discovery, mm-hmm. is very active in SAG union leadership. I
0: believe he's been on the board.
1: And he is a musical performer.
0: Right. He was in the original yeah. production of Rent, of memory serves. That
1: is correct. Okay. So is it a coincidence that he cares so deeply about working conditions mm-hmm. for actors and compensation? Which is, of course, if people don't know, that's a, one of the main things on the table. Mm-hmm. There's, There's- more than one, but streaming services compensate actors pretty badly. So trivia, I get residuals from that one movie I was in. Oh, Shrinking? Yeah. You were in a uh, movie, it. No, um, you
0: were in a movie, on it.
1: Yeah. Anna, you were I in, a in a movie? I didn't, really? I okay. Oh,
0: wow. All right. Yeah, go on.
1: Is it called, is it called Shrinking?
0: I believe I it's really called Shrinking. Oh, come on. Shrinking? Are you serious? This is the one with Matt Damon, right? Like, and like, were they yeah. down? Yeah, it's called Shrinking. Yeah. But I, okay. I do love how I know this. And you're like, oh, I didn't even know the name of it. I just know that I was in a movie. Okay, go ahead. Amr. So anyway,
1: I, another episode Can't remember which I tell the whole story, mm-hmm. which is most important because of the way that I wound up on the expanse set. Mm-hmm. That is actually the story's main point. Right. But I do get residuals, which at the most, I can't remember, was like a few hundred dollars when it came out. It wasn't super successful. Yeah. I still get residuals. They're about like 10, 15 bucks a quarter, maybe. <laughs> But I was, I was talking with some friends of mine who are, you know, in the business business, and they were like, oh, and they were like, that's what we get.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) That's, that's disturbing. Yeah.
1: That there are situations where like the residuals are that bad for people who work on streaming services because it just wasn't, no one knew. No one knew.
0: One of the things I was, I will say George Lucas has a lot of flaws, but one of the things I remember.
1: I think that was a humble brag with a point, Dan.
0: I know. I know. But I was going to, I was going to. Counterpoint okay. with right. George Lucas has a lot of flaws, but my understanding is one of the things he did do in the original Star Wars was he made sure all the actors got decent residuals in terms of, you know, what they got down the road. And 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 they've all basically said something effective. Oh, yeah, that was great.
1: Yeah. You know. Good for- right. And there's some story about someone... There is a story about ownership of Star-, Star Wars property rights that I'm blanking on that might be that Spielberg got a cut. There was like two, their two pro- really? properties were in huh. production at the same time. Oh, huh. That's weird. Okay. You know what? I love it that we just don't bother to Google shit. We're just like, um, yeah, you do it. We're going to let this in Discord. It's an interactive program. Yeah, okay. It's an interactive, we just, that's what it is. Okay, Discordians, get on this, this
0: and let us know what we don't know about yeah. this. Okay. Let us
1: know what we, we care not to educate ourselves about.
0: You know what? Speaking of the Discord.
1: <gasps> we, get, we <laughs> <come> to sing? Okay, that's good.
0: to the Discord! Yeah. Okay, never mind.
1: Okay, I think we got the point across. <laughs> okay. the point
0: across. <laughs> it's definitely Discord uh, just, notes, though. This, yeah,
1: Discord this. notes. Maybe that's what we should do for every Discord note. We should just try to sing something. <laughs> oh, think,
0: right? oh no! Why? Why did you even say that? You know how the Discord is going to react to this. They are going to demand it.
1: We can allow them to pick the song. Mm-hmm. But isn't okay. Just, just you, we don't have to no follow goodness. through on everything. There is so much we don't follow through on. I think it's perfectly fine <laughs> if we just that's just an idea that we just speak. It's, it's going to be like the merch. It's.
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll figure this out as we go along. Anyway, we okay. had, we got some excellent questions this time around. Toasty Ken asks, "Would a universe where everyone is always singing and dancing have fewer wars or more?" That is a great question, by the way. I just, you know, props. I think the answer is that there would be more wars, but they would be much more ritualistic and much less bloody. In other words, a a world in which everyone is singing and dancing is a world in which you would have combat like you had you know, pre-1500, where it was extremely ritualistic. John Keegan talks about this in the History of the Warfare. Or, it would be like Michael Jackson's (laughs) Beat It video, which would be awesome in its own right, I'm just saying.
1: That is a funny joke. (laughs) I I appreciate that, Dan. But... I believe that the uh, addition of weapons of mass destruction to arsenals around the world Ooh. would mean that a musical world would actually probably be just as deadly, if not more so. Like, the thing about ritualistic battle is it takes a ton of people, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you, you. I mean, I do think that urban combat might be hilarious and less violent mm-hmm. if it was done in a musical style. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I actually can
1: see that kind of working, you know, but also the musical version of trying to keep Trump from, like, taking over Greenland or invading (laughs) North Korea. Like if he could just punch a button, you know, I don't know if you I, I guess if we're thinking one interesting way. I, I just, I'm going too far. I'm going too I far. Think you're, I think you're- I, I will not. I will, I will stop. Yeah. I, I would say- Stop It's No refrain. There we no go. No chorus.
0: There we go. Let's get to the other question from Carrie, which is, if a singing dancing demon cursed you into a musical, what genre would you like your song to be? And what quotidian activity would you like to be doing? Anna?
1: I would like to be doing a outlaw country style- like karaoke favorite.
0: <gasps> oh, which, you would crush that.
1: Yeah, which I already do, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. I like Outlaw Country is like totally like it. I probably I don't want to rank favorite genres. I just I just love it. It's okay. it is it is really calls my it really calls to me. Mm-hmm. And um, the song You Never Even Called Me By My Name by David Allen Coe, I would recommend people look up. Mm. It is a great karaoke number. Mm-hmm. And it is actually kind. It is super meta too. <laughs> so that that kind of song is what I would do. And I you no, know, I feel like are we just saying like what we would probably be doing in any given time, like during the day? Well, or are no, we I like think it'd be like
0: ideal. I guess ideal. I don't know. Like, what would you you know what would be the activity you would be doing as you start breaking into song?
1: Because I feel like what would be nice and theatrical is like yard work.
0: <laughs> sure. Sure, with the rake. Like, yeah. you know,
1: you're twirling the rake yeah, yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. there's like props involved. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know, outdoors.
0: <laughs> Whereas for me, I think, again, this isn't even a genre I necessarily like to listen to, but in terms of singing. By the way, I what I would love would be a version of this in the sci-fi world where not only do people sing and dance, but it turns out that people who previously had no capacity to sing or dance suddenly are gifted amazing voices. Oh, then, I would just, yeah. yeah.
1: if I, in, it's in my, if I could have wishes to, it just experiential right. wishes.
0: That would be great. Yeah. Meaning for one, like,
1: I want to be able to know what it's like to dunk yeah. as an NBA player. Right. And I would like to know how to sing.
0: I would see, I would like to be able to, to hit a home run. And yes, also, you know, I would love to sing. I would probably like to do a power ballad while cooking. I don't know why, like for some reason, I think doing it in the kitchen would be.
1: Do you like nice. already
0: sing into the spoon? Uh, it depends on the song. Sometimes, sometimes I do.
1: What is a power ballad that you sing along to, Dan?
0: I don't. I'm trying to think if I sing one now. I'm I thinking. really love uh, yes. the
1: Glee soundtrack for the first season, hmm. and it, it I could think about some of the tragedies and assholery associated with it. But it was a okay time in my life when that came out, mm-hmm. and I it was it took the world by storm. You know, Glee was kind of something yeah. that it. Brought a lot of joy mm-hmm. to everyone, and so I usually, I when I really want to sing along to something, I'll put on the Glee first <laughs> season soundtrack. Because that Journey song, also, I mean, it bangs. Oh
0: yeah, don't stop like, believing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah, yeah.
1: of the fun, don't stop believing, is one of the most fun things to sing. That actually might ever. be
0: the one that I would want. Yeah, that would that actually would be potentially the 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 song that I would sort of think about, or Queen some a Queen song would be great as well. It could just be Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> oh wait. Um, I don't know. It's, it's spittle from everyone singing loudly. It's time for the Debris Field. This is where we get to, you know, stuff that we might have omitted uh, or missed during the entirety of the podcast. I have a few things, Anna. Do you want me to just go through a couple of them and then...
1: You can go through a couple of them. I... I- I, you were so much more excited about this. I was. And totally. I was less excited, although I've enjoyed talking about it with That's you. That's always good. Quite a lot. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and I'll just inject some
0: commentary. Okay, so let me, st- I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll do, I'll break it into the Buffy and the, uh, the Stranger Worlds one. For the Buffy, not a huge thing, but there's a night funeral. And I was like, really? Like, you see them carrying a coffin at one point pitch dark and was like okay come on oh, Of
1: all the things to pick up.
0: i know it's weird but i did like how everyone was too embarrassed to mention that they had been singing and dancing the night before like they've dealt with all kinds of supernatural phenomena but buffy when she says did anyone else burst in a song last night it's like they were all like oh god it was you too like i just i don't know that was very funny in terms of things that have dated tara's costuming in this episode oh god <laughs> i i was watching it and thinking is the Renaissance fair? Is that? What oh, yeah, was I, the right I was
1: like, is she supposed to be going to a Renaissance yeah, fair? It, it really or it or did rent? have
0: strong Renaissance fair vibes. I mean, you know, it, it was just again. I think it was a, it was, it's a period piece. Now is the way to think about it.
1: One. Oh my god! If we're gonna, okay, if we're gonna talk about costume, yeah.
0: Buffy, yes.
1: <laughs> the jeans. I don't know. Other women like the the flare jeans, and also they're so tight. Yeah, they're like yeah. they are just skin tight. Skin, skin tight. Yeah. And also some of the hair is really 90s. And just Buffy's whole look mm-hmm. is like a 90s look that I really recognize. Although I'm going to point out
0: that this came... I think this aired in the early 2000s. Oh, it was a 2000? Yeah, yeah. yeah, early
1: 2000s. Oh my God, even more so. Yeah. Like, yeah. yes, that was the era of like, you know, they're not flare like bootcut jeans mm-hmm. and like cute little shirts, yeah. date shirts, mm-hmm. date tops. Mm-hmm. And like, anyway, she... A lot of flashbacks for me.
0: Again, something that I liked with in terms of the the music and the the tones, both the way Buffy sings the word heaven and then Spike sings living, are off key, and I think that's intentionally so.
1: Minor key, minor yeah. key,
0: and like I, I again, just
1: they go from the major key, the to minor, minor key. key, and
0: it's the way that again, it's a it's it's a very clever way for Whedon to sort of get off the sort of you know what they're trying to do, and and again. Yes, he's a horrible human being, but he really did give his all for this episode, and that was good. Okay, anything else? And
1: intentional. I found that out. That was very intentional. And uh, James, it's Marsters. 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 Marsters said, had an interesting quote about that particular thing, and I think some other stuff, which is that some of the music was a lot more complicated than you'd expect from someone who doesn't know anything about music. Right, but then he kind of corrected himself and said, "Or maybe that's exactly why it's complicated." He's mm. it like, "It's like a Beatles thing. If you don't know what you're doing, if you're starting from scratch, yeah. it, you might invent some things."
0: Right. It might ex- again, it, it, as you point out, it was an exhausting effort, but there were some benefits from it. Okay. On the Strange New Worlds, I did again. There's this moment in the first uh, the first musical number where Mitchell and Ortega's are at the helm and they realize that they're moving in sync. And it's very funny to watch them as they realize that they're like, because they're singing, they're also moving melodiously. In the big closing number, I I missed this the first time I watched it. It's very funny. When the Klingons are singing, there's a brief moment where they cut to Uhura and Uhura is looking at Sam Kirk. And Kirk is getting down to the music. It's like, he's got the white man's overbite in that one little thing where like, he's clearly, it was just very, very funny. And you were talking about, you know, again, during the musical episode for Buffy, we would have been nice to have seen more Anthony Stewart head. I'm actually a little disappointed. There wasn't more Anson Mount in singing in the, in, I he, agree, was really he, yeah. he was really good. He was
1: really yeah. good. I like him in general. Yeah. like to see him in general. I, I, I remember a criticism I had from when we talked about it the last year mm-hmm. um, is that his leadership style is funny to me. Cause he's always just like, do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I believe you can do it. Right. I've, come to be like, all right, that's fine. He's just a, he's, that's, that's his, he's a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. He, he inspires by telling people, I believe you can do it. Okay. And
0: that works with Uhura. I mean, you know, that's a.
1: And that works. Yeah. But he seems to be having a blast, like yeah, in yeah. general. Mm-hmm. I think this is a commentary kind of on the, on the direction of the overall plot with him knowing that his end is coming. Mm-hmm. He's having a blast a lot of the time. Yeah. you know, like he really is like Living with the knowledge
0: that he will die. Right, he's,
1: putting, really it, he's putting
0: it. He's putting that knowledge to good use, as it were. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. One last thing, and this is actually one other thing that the two shows have uh, in common. They both had fun fooling around with the credit sequences yes. for these episodes. So with once more, with with once more feeling. By the way, I always love the Nerf Herder the actual Buffy song. It's a great goddamn, you know, yeah. song. But in this case, they they do it more musically.
1: Which is a science fiction reference. Right.
0: But also what I loved is right down to like the very last thing where like they always do the mutant enemy thing at the very end. They go, Urg, arg!" They actually had him singing at this time, which was very funny. And similarly with Strange New Worlds, they actually have an acapella performance of the, the opening theme, which is again, just extremely well done. That's all I got.
1: All right. Well, yeah, I mean, we... We we did it. We did a musical we episode. I, should we do an encore?
0: No, no we really should not. No, let no, us
1: no. not no. do an encore.
0: I do not like so, singing.
1: <laughs> in closing, we are on social media. Mm-hmm. The social media that exists. I'm not so much on Mastodon anymore at all. I will say,
0: true. I'm mostly I on Blue am Sky. On yeah, Blue
1: Sky, mm-hmm. which I have said in the Discord. I will give Blue Sky codes to people who will give us good reviews or say something nice about us you can just give them out which fine you know i like to remind people that, that everything comes at a cost in our capitalist society
0: <laughs> <laughs> i like you, you're the one who has to do that you know you, it's on of it's on that has the propensity to truck barter and exchange i'm the altruistic one yeah
1: yeah that's right but i am on blue sky and i would encourage people to get on it it still has like the twitter 2000.
0: It's got a pretty good vibe. I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. 2000? I think 2012. I would, yeah. 2012. Yeah. All
1: right. Yeah. I am at Anna Marie Cox. He's at Dan Dresner. Mm-hmm. I am also on Instagram. Dan is not on Instagram. No, no. I'm on you threads, on though. Threads. I
0: am on threads. I also have a substack called Dresner's World. Anna, I believe, has a. Which, we- okay. Yeah, fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> fine. Do that.
0: Anna has, well, I mean, Never mind. Go ahead. It's all right. Yeah, Just go ahead. Anna has a website. (laughs)
1: We can not all be perfect. Yes.
0: (laughs) Uh (laughs) Which is pronounced Uh www.annamariecox.com.
1: Spelled the same way. I had to put my fall writing workshop on hiatus, but I am doing my winter writing workshop. Mm -hmm. And I'm also doing a Remo National Novel Writing Month morning writing group that I can't remember how much it costs, but it's like six to eight in the morning. Really cool i did it last year people log on people we have coffee and then Mm. you know work on our novels and then talk about it for a little bit afterward it's a a great way to stay accountable and have a little community
0: that sounds great and
1: and we are doing very thing next is frank
0: uh we're doing the creator the creator and then we are going to be doing the house yes i know and then we're gonna be doing mary shelley's frankenstein after that
1: all right and until then
0: keep this channel open for more